I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a look at music's effect on our everyday lives. I recently came across the work of today's guest, and one thing that immediately resonated with me about his work was his holistic approach to education and music. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Edward Varner joining me today. Dr. Varner has been an educator, musician, actor, and arts education specialist and advocate for more than 30 years. He has taught award-winning K-12 programs in California, Nevada, and Washington. He's presented workshops for groups including the National Association for Elementary School Principals and the National Association for Music Education. He is currently in his ninth year as the Director of Visual and Performing Arts for the Milton Hershey School in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Enhance Life with Music, Dr. Varner. Thank you, Mindy. I'm, I'm honored to be here and I appreciate the invitation and the opportunity to talk a little bit more about why music is so important for people, you know, of all of all ages. Yes. Well, there's a pretty universal saying that practice makes, and we all fill in the blank, perfect. Yep. <laughs> there's, there's also an expression that's become well-known, perfect practice makes perfect. And the idea is that you can't become an expert at something like golfing, for example, simply by following the 10,000-hour rule that will just make you an older golfer. <laughs> you, sure. need to, you need to be deliberate and intentional with your practice rather than simply repeating the same mistakes over and over. Dr. Werner, I'm sure you've heard both of these expressions used a lot throughout your experiences as an educator and musician. What what is your reaction when you hear someone say, practice makes perfect? Well, it has changed over the years. And probably what has changed it most is my experience as a parent. Yeah. Um, and But also as, as an arts and music administrator and supervisor, I've seen ev- evidence and I've seen people anecdotally uh, push kids away based on the idea that practice makes perfect and that we're going to, we're going to drill and kill. And it's sort of like the same thing, the problems that people have with math. You push kids away from math by drill and kill and they, mm-hmm. you're reinforcing the idea that, oh my gosh, I'm not very good. Oh my goodness. And, mm-hmm. and I've, I've seen, I've talked with adults. I've talked with kids. It's, I I can't sing. My elementary school choir teacher told me I can't sing, or I can't play the clarinet because X Y Z. Um, and I and I've as I've gotten older, I've come to the belief that if something's worth doing, uh, it's also worth doing badly. Um, <laughs> you know, and and our goal as educators, we have this opportunity to help is many people as we can. And I believe my own rhetoric when I say that music is great for kids, music is good for people. And that means that if it's more than just those that are gifted and talented or those that are perceived as gifted and talented. My wife uh, is somebody who always comments about she she plays the radio well. I play the radio <laughs> well. and And it goes back to those anecdotal stories of her elementary clarinet teacher told her, oh, you know, this isn't your thing because she didn't practice right <laughs> or whatever. And, okay. um, and my own, my own daughter was told that, uh, could you just mouth the words? Oh, and so she gave up, she gave up Aww. and now, now she's doing a wonderful job. She's an electrical engineer in, in Massachusetts and doing great. But for a moment, it was pretty heartbreaking to watch her go through mm-hmm these programs and being pushed away from music and the wonderful things that music brings to enrich any life by people who clumsily or 
and 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 I don't think it's malicious. Mm-hmm. It's because they've been taught that way, and it worked for them. But they wind up pushing kids away, pushing mm-hmm. people away. I I, I kind of get into the idea that our goal should be to grow our the people who are. Um, who are struggling with life in general, and here's this beautiful tool to help life be better. And uh, we should try to find ways to to meet people where they are and help them progress to the next level, mm-hmm. rather than call the herd or you know <laughs> only only identify those that can go somewhere and do something with music. It's like wait a minute, music is important for every part of your life, and yeah. and what you can learn is more important is bigger than just, do I play the piano? Yeah. Well, and I think that's key right there is is you're recognizing that music has value for all of us, whether we're going to end up going into music as a profession or not. That's exactly right. Yes. So if music has value for all of us, and we want to encourage students to incorporate music into their life and make music and enjoy the benefits of music, really, we need to recognize that perfection is a myth. Yeah, exactly. I I believe strongly that there's a there's an important place for all of us within the music family. And I I tell the band teachers that I work with, there's a reason why the composer put that third clarinet part who mostly plays whole notes on tonic and dominant. You know, mm. it's it's okay and what you're teaching that student about life is, you, you know, you're right. You've identified this kid's not going to be a, cl- a clarinet, professional clarinetist, mm-hmm. not going to be a music major in college. But, you know, the the skills that you're teaching and the teamwork and the joy and the love that you're teaching that student is fantastic. And we need to celebrate it and make sure that we continue to say you're an important part of our family, of our music family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I I genuinely believe that um, we are teaching more than just music. I'm a um, a percussionist. My my bachelor's degree is music. I have a BA in music from Cal State Los Angeles, and I'm a percussionist. And I'm a percussionist for a reason because I was never made to feel good about my vocal <laughs> experiences. Okay. But the, as I've gotten older, it's like, you know what? Why not? I should be singing. Mm. And so should you. And so should everyone. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Well, and we all approach music for different reasons and for different yes. goals. My dad, I've really been pushing and encouraging him to break out that accordion again that he took lessons on for not very long as a kid, but we would occasionally get him to bring it out what, at, during my growing up years. and. Mm-hmm. He's been a real great sport about bringing that out again and being more intentional as he's got gotten into his 70s now, early 70s. And I, I'm like, Dad, that's so great for your brain. And it's this anti-aging, you know, it has this effect on your brain. And it's a great way to just express yourself. And, and he's really embraced that, bless his heart, and has been practicing more intentionally. And yeah, his goal is not to become a perfect accordionist or to start playing in a mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a band or anything but the thing that is rewarding for him is not seeing 
perfection, but he's seeing progress. He, when he first brought it out over the summer after not having played it for years, when I was back visiting, it was a little rough and rusty. Mm -hmm. And then over the course of the rest of the summer, when I was back home and checking in with him, he was like, man, it's amazing how that muscle memory just comes back. And I can play through these pretty good. And we had people over for dinner the other day, and I actually brought it out and played it for them, you know, so it's that progress that really engages the dopamine response. Talk to us a little bit about progress versus perfection. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I'm glad you brought up about what it's doing for your dad, because there's lots of scientific evidence out there, research that shows about those neuro, neurological connections that it makes. And, and it does the same thing for the very young and for the very old, mm-hmm. that uh, it, it sparks connections. You know, you see pictures of of uh, brain activity and both sides of the brain are activated when you're playing with music, when you're yeah. working on, on whatever it may be in the music realm, it is, it is engaging your brain at so many levels. Um, one thing that I think we do, um, we have a process that I think is important is that we can recognize that in life, as well as whether we're teaching piano or voice or percussion, um, there are always going to be difficulties and challenges. And so one of the things we need to do is help our students and help us recognize that, you know, there are difficulties and challenges, but, you know, there are also identifiable cause of these difficulties and challenges. And we have the capability to alleviate some of them by modifying our focus a bit. Uh, we can identify a path to overcome or go around Whatever the challenge may be, if we're living in the moment and we're looking for improvement rather than perfect. Mm. And, I, and I think as teachers, teachers, parents, colleagues, we can find that we're all on this path together of life, this journey of life. And we can say, okay, here's, here's a difficult, say it's a passage that you're working on. Here's a difficult passage. Instead of going through and just playing what I play well, really fast. Oh, that? All right, that's not practice. I'm going to identify where the challenge is, and I'm going to focus on that, and I'm going to identify a way through the challenge, and that's what I think we can um, we can teach life lessons mm-hmm. more than just you know, can you do a ratamacue, <laughs> you know, as a percussionist, sure, or, or can you do a paradiddle? No, you know, I can't. Well, here's a way to improve that start slow. And it might be, and my way might not be the same as what's best for your way. And I, um, I genuinely believe that as educators, um, and parents, it's our goal, our duty, so to speak, to, to know our student or child well enough so that we can help them identify that path, help them identify their own path and, um, know them well enough where they are, identify where they are, and help them get to the next step. You know, you're not going to jump automatically from fourth grade introduction, hot cross buns on the flute, to playing in a philharmonic without this path forward. And everybody's path might wind up in different spots. You uh-huh. know, that well, you and I, just, I like how you brought up that practice. We think of practice makes perfect being applied to a music instrument setting, but practice, we, we practice everything in our lives. So we 
we practice parenting. <laughs> That's I mean, right. <laughs> our, our oldest child really is a guinea pig. I mean, let's just face it. You know, Absolutely. I mean, we practice parenting. We practice at marriage. We practice at our friendships. We practice at our job. Um, you know, some jobs, they actually use the word practice in terms of practicing dentistry or something like that. But um, I, I love how you're correlating the practice of a musical instrument to life. And we do, we have challenges when we practice our instrument. We have challenges in life. And you have an approach to these challenges that you call the practice. Tell us a little bit about right. that. Well, I um, to be honest with you, it's this is a, a kind of a new development in my progress, in my own personal journey. Um, I used to think, well, this is a kind of a well-duh thing. It's like, uh, why wouldn't you want to help every one of your students move a little bit along the spectrum? And uh, And then I saw other teachers and I started hearing these processes that actually I use the term thin the herd or isolate, you know, mm-hmm. music's for you, music's not for you. Sure. And this kind of path. And I and I, so I thought I started looking in um various on my own journey, uh reading various philosophies, Eastern philosophy, you know, my my version of the path in this article is very much uh based on uh, the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path found in Buddhism. The Four Noble Truths being that, you know, there, there are always difficulties and challenges. I, they're mm. loosely, and I'm paraphrasing sure. in, my, in my article, um, but I, and I'm trying to make intentional connections to the study of music. Or Yeah, and, and just and, a clarification, and, when you yes. talk about your article, you're talking mm-hmm. about the um, oh, yes. I'm sorry. It's called uh, Perfection is a Myth, but Improvement is Always Possible. Yes. Uh, I didn't have that title right in front of me, but that was one of your articles that I loved <laughs> when I read it and was well, like, can you. we talk about this? Okay. So just to clarify to listeners, that's the article that you're referring to, and I will include a link in the show notes to that article. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. And that's the that's the whole gist of um, my ever-growing philosophy about education, about life, is that improvement is always possible. And, uh, you know, you go through the identifying the symptoms. There, there are always going to be challenges. You uh, take a look at um, there's an identifiable cause of the difficulties and challenges. So you, you contemplate on that. What are you going to, what can you do? Then you, there's a prognosis and a prescription. There's a way to, there's a way through that challenge or over or around it to deal with it. Um, and there's an identifiable path to overcome them. And that's, of course, loosely based on, I say of course, but maybe not so, on the Eightfold Path in Buddhism or Eastern philosophy of, you know, if you have a right view and understanding, you if you're going to seek out knowledge and information about what the practice is and what's needed on figuring out how to positively understand and manage that challenge, mm-hmm. uh, that leads into... Uh, your intention and your resolve, that you're resolving to pay attention to what pieces are you in, of your life or of this passage, this difficult piece that you're trying to play for whatever reason, uh, you're going to pay attention to some of the harder parts and figure out how you're going to do it. And that leads into uh, having right speech or the idea that, you know, you're not going to talk yourself out of it. So many people talk themselves, oh, I'm not good. I can't do this. Um <laughs> And this is the spot I always mess up. <laughs> yes, I always mess this up. I'm never going to be good enough to get this. Well, step back, take a break, 
let's take a look at what it is and then and then move through it take it one step one note one fingering whatever it may be the case at a time and then uh and then the next few kind of merge together but you want to avoid unhealthy habits that you're dealing with the problem and the challenge rather than just avoidance. Uh, so you're going to surround yourself with positive people and active pursuits that, that help you nurture success. Um, my son, my son is a, a dancer and an actor and a singer. He's uh, getting ready to start his uh, BFA program at mm-hmm. AMDA in New York city mm-hmm. next month, actually. And, um, and when he was young, he got a lot of grief for being a boy dancer. Mm-hmm. And we had this conversation a lot. It's like, you know, surround yourself with the people that are going to help lift you up. Mm-hmm. And and go. And it's okay to let go of those kids that are poking fun of you or teasing mm-hmm. you or whatever. And sure enough, the more you start surrounding, there are so many like-minded individuals. It's like, wow, you know, there, there are more of us than I thought. You uh-huh. know? And, sure. then you, and then, of course, that leads to... Uh, to putting in the right effort because you're you're bolstering your own creativeness and your own positive spirit and you and you want to go back and work through those challenges mm-hmm. and you're conscious you're aware of what you're doing you try to stay in the moment and then you really hit the point where you can practice you can focus you can manage your stress or your anxiety and you don't you let go of the idea of being hypercritical. Mm-hmm. It, and it's not easy. It's a mess. It can be a whole messy process. <laughs> and uh, But I, I definitely believe that uh, if what we're doing has value, and it does, I think uh-huh. it, it's a life lesson that we can we can achieve it. Sure. Um, and, and just a quick recap yeah, these steps. You mentioned that there were eight yeah. steps. So mm-hmm. number one was right view and understanding. That's number right. two is right intention and resolve. Number three was right speech, avoiding that negative self-talk or premature judgments. Number four was right action. Number five, right livelihood, which is where you're talking about avoiding the unhealthy habits and surrounding yourself with positive people. Mm-hmm. Number six was right effort. Number seven was right mindfulness. And number eight was right concentration. And I'll include these in the show notes. As you were going through these, it kind of mm-hmm. reminded me a little bit of Stephen Covey's Seven Habits book. So there's some correlation yes, there. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And and I think... Uh, the more reading you go, there there are lots of connected pa- connective tissue mm-hmm. in a variety of different pathways, and that that's something else that always I keep coming back to. Also, that you know my way might not be the best way for this student, and it might not be the best way for this person that I'm I'm working with, um, and and I and I do a lot of mentally trying to get out of my head okay this worked for me so it's got to work for you mm, yeah um and and that has to take a step i have to take a step back as an educator and i have to be willing to give up my old ideas and things that might not be working for this one student mm-hmm. and um and and let go of the idea that okay i'm i'm here for the very top kids mm. i'm here to to push them all to be music majors i'm here to you know uh mm. and that's a wonderful thing don't get me wrong that that's a fantastic goal but because we live in this connected world we want people who have an appreciation of each other of art of music of life and a positive spirit and the 
the grittiness, the grit to pursue and overcome challenges. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I, sometimes I have to step back, even when I'm working with adults, I have to step back and say, okay, what has always worked for me isn't working here. What does this person that I'm working with need so that we can overcome this challenge. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Now, one of your quotes that I liked, you said, as an educator, I have always been a firm believer in the philosophies of integration and differentiation of curriculum to better meet the needs of my students. I must know my students in order to adequately and effectively meet them where they are and help them progress to the next level. And you've mentioned that concept quite a bit in our conversation today mm -hmm. about we're all connected and no man is an island and, you know, all these... I, I'm a big fan of that approach to education and just life in general. I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of holistic medicine. And, you know, if something's going on with my back, let's also check into not just what drug can I take to numb that, but what's causing it, you know? Right. And it, it, was there, how did you come to have this holistic approach to education in general and music education specifically? Was there anything that you can point to or was it just kind of a organic growth of your development as a person as you went through school and went through life? Well, I think there was a little bit of an organic development and it certainly grew as I've gotten older. Uh, I think parenthood was huge because mm -hmm. um, I, I recognized I made mistakes with my own kids. And then I, and I started looking, it's like, oh my goodness, they'd come home, tell me about something the teacher did. And it's like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. But you know what? I did that when I was 25. Mm. <laughs> you know? And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, why did I do that then? And why are they doing that now? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I keep, keep coming back to the, I want to do a writing on the, the Pink Floyd song, We Don't Need No Education, the, the line, hey, teacher, leave them kids alone. And sometimes, and I don't think it's malicious or anything, but sometimes I think educators, myself included, want to force the way that we know worked for me on our students that we forget about, oh, this might not be the best way for for this person to grow mm. and uh, this person that I'm working with. And I and and kind of, kind of an organic thing that has been going through my head lately. Um, is the idea that instead of calling them, these are my students, these are people that I'm working with. And they're mm -hmm. just, they're just young people on the same journey that we're all on. And, and I'm struggling with my career and my life path and, and I have my stuff and they have their stuff. Um, I've started doing a lot of work with the teachers that I work with and students that I work with on, uh, trauma informed. Um, you know, it's a it's a sort of like the social emotional learning mm -hmm. piece, but trauma informed education really highlights the idea of of you know this student's actions and behaviors are linked, inseparably linked to whatever is going on in their lives outside of this room, outside mm. of this particular situation, yeah. and. And it's my goal to get over what, get over myself. And instead of teaching to compliance, yep, Johnny was compliant today. He gets an A, uh -huh. uh, you know, <laughs> uh, get away from that. And it's like, what does Johnny really need? Or what does Bobby, who, who is bouncing off the wall, really need? And, sure. uh, and I think music is, is such a unique opportunity. To reach those kids, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I walk through the hall of, of my buildings. I, 
in my in my role I'm at elementary, middle, and high school, and I interact with these kids, and so many of them come back to me and say, you know what, I look forward to this part of my day most, whether it's the general music class or the the band class. We can't do choir now because of COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. but you know, so many of them say. If it wasn't for getting to go to dance or getting to go to guitar, um, I don't know that I could make it through the end of the day. Mm. It's like, okay, we need to celebrate that yeah. and make more opportunities for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing that's neat that you point out in your article is that when we engage in what you call the practice ourselves, mm-hmm. we are, you said in the article, we seek out self-improvement for the sake of others and altruistic intention. And by seeing ourselves and others as equally striving for improvement and then switching the emphasis from our own aims to the needs of others. We, you say we create powerful learning opportunities for every person we have the good fortune of working with. So I think that's neat to see how incorporating these approaches to challenges and obstacles in practice, whether it's practicing an instrument or practicing in our other functions in life, really, it it not only helps our own perspective, but it really helps us help other people as well. Well, and that's where you, you've heard probably the overused term also of an, um, being a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that we commit to being lifelong learners for, for our own growth, but also for the sake of our students and every person we touch and every person we interact with. Um, and recognize that, that there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all. And, and equality doesn't mean you know, uh, I guess equity, equity is an equal. Yes, equity doesn't isn't necessarily equal. That's mm-hmm. exactly the term, and it's not always easy in it. But it requires knowing who the people we're working with are, and helping them to remove any negative emotions or past obstacles that they find to success. Removing those or helping to, them to remove those, helping them to be in a in a mind place where they can they can overcome challenges. Um, and I think by seeing that they're on a journey, we're on a journey by seeing ourselves and others equally striving for improvement and switching the emphasis from our own aims to the needs of those others. People, uh, we create this powerful learning opportunity, um, for everyone ourselves. Mm. You know, I've grown more as a person and as an educator from what my students have taught me, um, than a lot of times than I think they have, <laughs> you know? Sure, sure. You know, it's like, it's like, wow, I, I just realized I said that out loud and, and it's like, <laughs> why did I do that? <laughs> Uh, well, one final quote that I want to leave listeners with, a quote of yours that kind of sums up what we've been talking about is this, none of us are capable of perfect. We are all capable of improvement. And love that quote and gives us a great thing to shoot for instead of perfection, really shooting for improvement. I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Do you have a song or a story that you can share with listeners today? I do. And it, and it's quirky and it's weird. And, and, and I like quirky and weird. Um, <laughs> when I when I was a young parent, my wife and I sang with our kids a lot. And we had the conversation about 
because my wife is not a musician and not a music person, she shared the idea that she was nervous about singing. It's like, it mm. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. You need to sing with your kids. And I, and we had this ongoing conversation, but we sang anyway. We sang through it. And, uh, and it didn't matter that she was pitchy. It didn't matter mm-hmm. that she was, uh, she was sang out of tune or out of rhythm. Uh, she's the one remember I said that she plays the radio well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And along those, I, I often share with people uh, one of my best memories about my mom. And when I was a teenager, she's cleaning the kitchen and she's she's just dancing around, being goofy. And she starts singing Rod Stewart's uh, "Do You Think I'm Sexy?" Do you think I'm sexy? <laughs> and uh, and it's like it was it was hilarious in the moment. Uh, my sister and I were there. We were all in the kitchen being goofy and she was making real emotional and uh solid connections with her teenage children mm-hmm. uh and and I think that's the important thing you're able to share your love your joy of life and so I always tell new parents the most important thing you can do is sit down and sing with your baby or rock with your baby or dance with your baby you know those are mm-hmm. those are important things and the kids Kids don't care if you if you're pitchy, if you can't carry a tune. They don't care if your rhythm stinks. Uh, they just want to be with you, and and singing is the way to do it. Um, and now, mind you, I'm a I'm a percussionist, so I am not a great singer. Sure, um, but all that that whole process led to um, me putting together a, a silly collection of songs. I have a CD called Magic Machine. And it's not the best. It's not the best, but that's okay. Uh-huh. Uh, they're silly songs. Everyone I give the CD to, uh, it drives parents crazy because the kids sing it over and over <laughs> and over. <laughs> but you know, that's uh, that's a way of sharing the humanity of the humanity of silly. I guess <laughs> I'm sure. A, I'm sure. an advocate of being silly and and playing the importance of play mm. to learning. Uh-huh. Uh, Kids, parents, teachers, adults, people need to play. And that's the way our brains are hardwired to learn by playing. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, well, we, and there's no perfect in play. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love what you what you were saying about parents singing to their children. And it reminded me, there's a recent guest, Anita Collins, who was talking about how you are your child's favorite rock star. <laughs> and it doesn't That's matter right. how pitchy you are or if you're a good singer or not. And she was talking about how sound is nutrients to yes. a baby, especially because their other senses are not fully developed, but that sense of hearing is developed. And the sound of your voice, that that's how they know who you are. And that's how they learn to trust their caregivers and bond with their, their caregivers. So I think that's a great recommendation. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you're all, there's also a literacy component. When mm-hmm. you're very, very young and you're singing, you're playing with these chunks of words, that's pre-literacy. You're teaching the kids how to read. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Varner is so spot on with that literacy component and its relationship to music and rhythm. If you're interested in learning more about the link between a child's ability to keep a steady beat and their progress in learning to read, check out episode 59, How Does Music Learning Impact Other Learning with Dr. Anita Collins. Thank you so much to Dr. Varner for joining us today. 
for sharing his insightful perspective on the role of perfection in music education and for the many ways he enhances lives with music. I'm sending a big shout out and thank you to Doug Schmidt with Schmidt Music and Paul Babcock of McPhail for sending me pictures and more information on the Steinway piano that was discussed in episode 63, Confessions of a Piano Tuner. In that episode, Billy Sadler tells quite a story about his experiences working on a Steinway piano for Leanne Fleischer. That piano went on to be played and loved enough to be signed by many celebrity performers. Thanks to Doug and Paul, you can see pictures of the signatures on the piano, hear more about the piano's background and story, and see the piano being played in its current home at McPhail by going to that episode show notes. It's at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 63. Here at Enhanced Life with Music, we take a look at the benefits of music and its impact on our everyday lives through the lens of science, medicine, sports, and other disciplines. I'm including some links in today's show notes for previous episodes that are evergreen and especially applicable this time of year. In episode 48, we talked to a time management coach who gives tips for making your we're all at home family schedule work for you when it comes to practicing musical instruments and also other chores and goals. This episode was originally geared toward making the most of your family's time over the summer, but with the continuing home-based nature of school this fall, the information is just as applicable now as it was in the summer. That's episode 48. And if you're missing the traditional start of the NHL season, you can get your hockey fix with episode 10 on the role of organ music in hockey. In that episode, we also discuss how fans can connect with and make song requests of their favorite sports organists, hockey and baseball organists. And in episode 28, you will learn what your role as a parent is if you have a child in music lessons. That episode is called, My Child is Taking Music Lessons, What's My Role? If there's a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, please let me know. You can connect with me on social media, email, or my website. All links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.